Matan otro negro en el medio de la pandemia. Pal puerco de Trump, eso parece comedia. Matan otro negro en el medio de la pandemia. Pal puerco de Trump, eso parece comedia. Hello, Josh Kudine with you on Afropop Worldwide from PRX. That's Grammy-nominated drummer and singer Hector Tito Matos with a plena protest song about the murder of George Floyd in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic. The Plena has a history as a song newspaper, and the past three years have been full of devastating news for the Caribbean island of Puerto Rico. Two hurricanes, slow recovery efforts, a text message scandal that brought down a governor, the trauma of more deaths of unarmed black men, women, and children across the United States, and of course, COVID-19. On today's show, Bomba, Plena, and Puerto Rican protest music, we will speak with some of the island's top artists to understand the role music is playing in historic events from the time of slavery through today. As we mentioned, we are keeping a close eye on the protest tonight in Minneapolis following the death of George Floyd. The world was horrified by the murder of George Floyd on May 25, 2020. Protesters around the globe risked their lives by marching in the middle of a pandemic to support Black Lives Matter. Matan otro negro, another black man gets killed. En el medio de la pandemia, in the middle of pandemia, y al puerco de Trump. And for this big Trump, esto parece comedia. It seems like a comedy. We reached Hector Tito Matos by phone in Cabo Rojo, on the southwestern tip of Puerto Rico. And he told us about how the horrors of recent events are uniting Puerto Ricans. Plena has very different manifestations. Of course, you need to also understand that Plena practitioners are like any other force of profession. They are conservative pleneros, they are central pleneros, they are lefty pleneros. So from Hector Tito Matos, it's, it's inclined to a pro-independence of Puerto Rico. So of course, some of the stuff that you're going to listen to me in terms of plenas are going to be different from some of the pleneros who might think differently in, in certain topics. But in the case of Black Lives Matter, in the case of Donald Trump, in the case of singing about Maria, And in the cases of singing about taking out Rosellito in the summer of 2019, on those days, on those movements, there was a total unity. I saw practitioners of the stuff that I have been doing all my life, who I know who are not, uh, who do not coincide with my political ideas, let's say, but they were right on my side, marching. Nelly Lebron, leader of Puerto Rico's renowned bomba group, Paracumbe. Man, I tell you, what a voice. She was actually trained as an opera singer. While the plena has a long history with protest music, bomba, an older Afro-Puerto Rican form, has also been associated with subversive music. 
for black Puerto Ricans, just like their brothers and sisters in the mainland of the United States, marching against injustice can be extremely dangerous. Imagine the conversation a black mother has to have with her young daughters who want to join and march to demand equal rights. Paracumbe's Nelly Lebron is a professor at the Puerto Rican Conservatory of Music. The government alerted and used the military branch of the police to be present in the protests. And there were tear gas and there were rubber bullets. And um, we knew that these policemen that are military trained do not have any type of means of identification. And they are trained to arrest civilians in a very violent way, which include when they arrest women touching their parts, you know, touching their bodies in, in inappropriate ways. What they do is they just throw them on the floor and they handcuff them and then they will grab their different parts of their bodies as an excuse. You know, it's another way of, let's say, humiliating the person who is arrested. And that is done not only with women, but also with LGBTQ plus um, communities. This is another group that Nelly Lebron is part of, Las Barrileras Ocho de Marzo. Their name, Barrileras, means women who play barrel drums, and the 8th of March refers to International Women's Day. It is from a December 2019 protest in Old San Juan about government inaction despite a disturbing rise in violence against women. Thousands of women here are singing along with the all-female bomba ensemble. They are female drummers, which is non-traditional, because in traditional bomba, the men play the drums and the women sing and dance. And so it was not seen as something that a woman would do because drumming was not womanly. It was not female. It was something that was done by the men. And it had to do with the moral standards of the times. A woman, a proper girl, would not open her legs. And usually, in order to drum, you have to put your drum between your legs. Or you had to sit on top of the drum in the southern coast. So that was not considered something a woman, a moral person would do. And so for many, many years, women would not play bomba drums. But now we wear pants, so we can do drumming. And it's not seen as something that is more masculine. It's, uh, the drumming, women drumming, has become something of a mainstream staple, too.
Minneapolis Mama Cuidame a Belen, perhaps Paracumbe's most famous song. Those of you familiar with Puerto Rican literature might recognize the lyrics. The group's founder, ethnomusicologist Emmanuel Dufresne, a professor at the University of Puerto Rico, explains. Mamá Cuidame a Belén is an example of bomba collected by Enrique Laguerre. It was included in the text of a novel, La Llamarada, published in 1935. Enrique Laguerre was nominated for the Nobel Prize in Literature, and La Llamarada is among the most important Puerto Rican novels ever written. It tells the story of the horrors of daily life in Puerto Rico during the Great Depression and how its colonial status exacerbated grinding poverty on the island. Kumbe has done extensive research into Bomba during the time of slavery, including its subversive history. Professor Manuel Dufresne. In 1826, one governor, Miguel de la Torre, made some rules for the slave population, and he stated that the slaves from one hacienda should stay on that hacienda in other words, they should not go to bomba dances in other haciendas. Once the ban on attending bomba dances at other plantations came into effect, it meant that families were separated. Members of one family of slaves were often sold to other plantation owners, and these dances were among the few opportunities where family members would briefly reunite. Professor Nelly Lebron. On one hand, the government was very aware of things that could happen during a bomba dance where there were slaves from different plantations that were mainly family. Most of them could be family that was disrupted or taken to other plantations or sold to other plantation owners. And so these were the chances that also families could get together and see each other. But it was also used for many other purposes more than recreation. Bomba dances were also often used as a cover to plan slave rebellions. Bomba dances were used by enslaved people to especially conspire uprisings and freedom movements. So there was a moment in the late 19th century that bomba dances were prohibited, especially not to engage from one, slaves from one plantation with the other. So bomba dances had that kind of rebellious characteristic also. This history is described in the book Esclavos Rebeldes, or Rebel Slaves, by Guillermo Baralt, Professor Emmanuel Dufresne. The owners of the haciendas or the foremans would be distracted with the music, with the dance. Some slaves would go apart and hide and conspire to escape or to rebel. And that's how bomba dances were associated with slave rebellions. Of course, the subversive messages in Bomba songs were not explicit, but written between the lines. It wouldn't be that they would stay out openly in the song, 
let's rebel now or let's escape or let's get some guns and let's uh, do whatever we have to do to control the area because others would hear and repression would come quite soon. And uh, what would happen is that because of the nature of these musical events, they would take advantage of the distraction and certain people would go aside and let's say do some agreements of what they would do in order to escape or to steal a boat and steal some merchandise to eat while they were escaping to Haiti, for example. Slavery was abolished in Puerto Rico in 1873. But what did Bomba songs from the time of slavery actually sound like? Emmanuel Dufresne has been conducting field research with Puerto Rican elders for more than four decades. This is an old field recording of Bomba songs from 1914 to 1915 that Emmanuel Dufresne came across during one of his expeditions to rural parts of Puerto Rico. Well, the audio is quite scratchy, but a precious time capsule from a period just four decades after the end of slavery. There were songs recorded during 1914, 1915 in Edison cylinders and they were uh, collected by an anthropologist from the U.S. His name was John Alden Mason. He was born circa 1885 and died in 1967. But he had visited the town of Loisa in 1914, 1915. And in fact, I had met in circa 1981, an elderly man. He was at that time 108 years old. His name was Victor Hernandez. And he had been present while Mason was recording. What would this song, La Maquinita, sound like today? Well, for much of 2020, Puerto Rico, like most of the world, has been in lockdown because of the coronavirus pandemic. Each of the nine members of Paracumbe recorded their parts remotely on their phones. Here is the result.
Esparacumbe with La Maquinita, recorded remotely during the coronavirus lockdown. But what is this song about? Professor Nelly Lebron. La Maquinita, the words say, Tráiganme la maquinita que la voy a pasar. Olele, ya no tienes que llorar. The literal translation would be like, bring me the little machine, la maquinita, that I'm going to use it and you don't have to cry anymore. But when you hear what they sing in the rest of the lyrics, it sounds as if they're speaking about an American, let's say, foreman, and they even call him Mr. Broda. And that's, a, you know, it's kind of like a comical way of calling an American, like when, when they say now a gringo, or a maybe a them. plantation foreman or a, a someone that was not loved by the <laughs> maybe, people. Maybe. Um, and so they were making fun of that person and thinking that Mr. Broda would be an American. Um, maybe they thought he didn't understand what they were saying, so they were mocking him while he didn't understand Spanish. So that would be something pretty common because most of the plantations here in Puerto Rico were owned by Americans after the invasion and or American companies. Singing bomba is extremely personal. It's part of a family tradition that dates back to the time of slavery. My great-grandmother, Maria Leon, was born into slavery. She was a child and slavery was abolished in Puerto Rico in 1873. So my great-grandmother was a small child. And she in turn had my grandmother, Olimpia de Leon, And when my great-grandmother was a child, she would see the bomba dances in her community. But the thing is that in her time, she would associate bomba with negative things like um, slavery, like ignorance, um, things that were not looked upon as something positive in the society at her time. So when she had her daughter, which was my grandmother, She would not let my grandmother dance or sing bomba. But she, in turn, would go to bomba dances because she was a really good bomba dancer. And she would take her daughter. But she was not allowed, my, my grandma was not allowed to sing or dance. But one thing that children do is remember everything they see and hear, especially music. And Nelly LeBron's grandmother was no exception. Over the years, the public perception in Puerto Rico of bomba changed, and it eventually became part of Black Pride. And she was able to sing the songs that she had learned as a child. And she also knew that her mother would not let her participate because she didn't want my grandmother to be associated with negative things that belong to the Black community or to African-American or Afro-Puerto Rican community here in Puerto Rico. Now, the thing is that during time, and let's say from the end of the 90s up to this date, Bomba has transformed in society from becoming something negative, something that is of a, an ignorant part or sector of the society, to be something to be proud of as part of our national identity. Up to that time, national identity was 
basically composed of our Spanish and Latin American and Taino cultural heritage. And that third very important part of our nationality and of our identity as a people was not looked upon as something that you should be proud of. Now, and it's this other part of our identity which is very important. They used to call it la tercera raíz. Uh, the third root. And I think that from then on, Puerto Rico started to understand that we cannot be who we are if we do not recognize and acknowledge our blackness, let's say our, our negritude. And so it has started to transform into something that, especially in the younger generation, is something to be very proud of, um, to be negra, to be negro to be called negro or negra, black, without it being insulting. Nene Lebron continues the family musical tradition with the next song we're going to hear. It's a plena dedicated to her mother, called Guaneco Pie. Guaneco Pie is very dear to my heart because that is a plena that was composed with my mom in mind. My mom, um, she died in September of 2019. And so that was her nickname when she was younger, when she was a younger woman. Her, that was the way her, her brothers and sisters would call her. Her name was Juanita, Juanita Lebron. The family nickname was Guaneco, Guaneco Pie. She never knew why her older brother, who was still alive, was the one who gave her that nickname. And he has never, he said it was just a funny way and it would get on her nerves. And so we made it into a plena that speaks about the things that she liked to do when she was alive.
You're listening to Bomba, Plena, and Puerto Rican protest music. Don't forget to visit afropop.org for more, including videos of some of the protest songs featured on this program. Coming up, the effects on Puerto Rico and its music from Hurricane Maria. I'm Georges Collinet, and you're listening to Afropop Worldwide from PRX. Hurricane Maria slamming into the island, and as you heard, one official saying the island is destroyed. Nearly half of Puerto Rico right now without drinking water. Maria is the first Category 4 to hit there in nearly a century. 150-mile-an-hour winds ripping buildings apart, knocking out power everywhere. All of the electricity is out tonight. So I am asking the members of the press to send a mayday call all over the world. We are dying here. That was San Juan Mayor. Carmen Yulin Cruz, speaking just days after Hurricane Maria made landfall. Paracumbe's Nelly Lebron describes what it was like being in the path of such a powerful storm. So we were under 180 miles per hour winds for 12 hours. The rain would be horizontal. The sound in the night sounded like howling demons. I have no other way of describing that sound. It was as if many spirits from the dead, from the hell. from hell, had risen and started chanting and howling. After the hurricane, the winds were over. We were home for three days because the roads were all full of water and we couldn't get out of the houses. For weeks after the devastating storm, the island had no power. No running water, limited phone service. 90% of the island's homes were damaged by the storm. But despite all that, this was the sound in the old Santal Square of San Juan, where musicians would gather for impromptu jam sessions. the devastation, musicians began performing across the island. In the town of Luisa, Hector Tito Matos led a parade of pleneros. Hector Tito Matos. We were coming into a community that people were really, really sad, really struggling. But as soon as they heard the drums banging and people singing, at least for one second, they forgot that they lost their home. And for, for that quick visit that we were there, at least for that moment, they were happy. And, and to me, that's the healing part of music. And that's how we use bomba, plena, and hibaro music here in Puerto Rico.
te va a gustar. from Plena Libre. They are a four-time Grammy-nominated band that was founded over a quarter century ago. And like virtually everyone on the island, they were left without power and water for days and days. Their leader is bassist Gary Nunez. A uh, whole life changes, a whole perception of uh, what Puerto Rico is and even what we are as persons. It is changing all our perceptions of what reality used to be. As the death toll quickly climbed into the thousands because of a lack of drinking water and access to health care, Puerto Ricans began helping each other. The immediate reaction of the Puerto Rican people in this situation has been to lend a hand to your friend and to your neighbor. And that's where you, the real heroes are. They brought cases of water and food to the elderly who are trapped in tall buildings and performed concerts for Puerto Ricans who lost their homes and everything they owned in the storm. People that suddenly felt like refugees in their own country. These are people that have lost everything, their houses, their home, their furniture, whatever they belong is where. So the whole sad cloud is every place you go where the refugees are. It took us a little while to get the joy going because we need joy. We need music. When you're in a situation where it's very hard, the music becomes a, a way of lifting your spirit or saying, this is not going to be the rest of my life. This is just a moment and we'll be able to overcome. We're going to hear music about Puerto Rican resilience by Plena Libre. But first, Gary Nunez. What the song is really about, these people that are really very resilient and uh, we got a lot of faith in ourselves. We're going to be able to overcome whatever obstacle comes in the way. If we follow the correct path, which is one of reassurance in our capabilities and you know, what we are able to do, and not to think about people or governmental structures that tends to put us down as Puerto Ricans. In the immediate sense, it's an experience that relates to Puerto Ricans, but in the human aspect, it relates to every human in the world. You just cannot let your spirit be put down by whatever it is. You got to keep on and you got to fight for what you believe in. So this song, which is actually called Puerto Rico, is becoming like a symbol of what Puerto Ricans are. Uh, we just got to put our spirit together and put our faith together. Mi Puerto
a cantar Tus hijas y tus hijos te darán la libertad Rico. Following Hurricane Maria, Plena Libre toured the United States to help raise money for relief efforts. In the weeks and months after the storm, the death toll kept rising to over 3,000 as it took months to restore power and water. Again, Baracumbe's Nelly Lebron. Puerto Rico was without electricity for five, six months. There were people who didn't have electricity for almost a year. And to this day, there are still 2,000 houses in the island that have the blue tarps that mean that they lost their roofs and have not been replaced. So this is three years later. And so we have a population that does not have roofs over their houses.
text message scandal in 2019 about the slow recovery efforts caused massive protests in Puerto Rico. There was this private chat that was done by the governor and his close posse and his close friends. And they berated women. They spoke very, very, very badly, not, not only badly, but also very, very demeaning of certain women of the media here. And they, they made fun of very loved people in our society. And they would speak about that it was good that all these people had died because that represented more money from the federal U.S. government. We just can't take it anymore. Puerto Rico has suffered enough, and it's, it's pretty much barbaric what he's doing. We're tired and we're angry. Over a million people took to the streets, including Ricky Martin and Lin-Manuel Miranda, leading to the resignation of Governor Ricardo Rosell. But these protests has their origins back in 2017 with marches for women's rights. There have been many groups of people who have protested against injustices here in the island. But I, I think the most important movement that has been founded in the last years, um, let's say in the last five years or so, has been Colectiva Feminista en Construcción, or Women's Coalition Under Construction. This was formed in 2017, and it was basically a call for women of all walks of life to come together and try to establish public policies um, in order to help the government to work for women's rights and injustices against women and other minorities' rights. And so about 2,000 women came to this call. And as a result of that, this group of Colectivo Feminista en Construcción started protesting because the governor at that moment, Ricardo Rosselló, did not respond to their demands and they started protesting every single day in front of his house, La Fortaleza, in Old San Juan. So this protest got bigger and bigger and bigger. As a result of them, there was also the founding of a group of women musicians, or pleneras. They called themselves Plena Combativa, which means combative plena. And their purpose was not only to perform, to protest using plenas, but also to write lyrics that had a, a denouncing voice of what injustices were being committed against all walks of society, not only women. So basically, this protest transformed into a general feeling of, of anger among the society, which eventually to the outing of Ricardo Rosselló as our governor in the summer of 2019. 
casa de capital Ya van demasiados siglos Sufriendo de esa maldad Busquemos otro camino Es hora de despertar Tito Matos's protest song about the killing of George Floyd. Tito Matos has a long career of protest songs. This one is from the Grammy-nominated Viento de Agua album, Opus 4. It was basically for Puerto Ricans, but also to many, many countries who are, you know, staying put with the status quo. And the song basically says, Duermen los pueblos, duermen, ¿qué más tiene que pasar? Para que algún día los pueblos se puedan ahí levantar. It's basically saying, people and nations are sleeping. What, what else needs to happen? Para que algún día los pueblos, so that at least one day, uh, se puedan ahí levantar, they will be awakened. As Tito said earlier, he often sings about dreams of Puerto Rican independence. We have been a, a colony for the entire life of what is called the Puerto Rican identity. We have never been free. Uh, so that's a fight that we are trying to, to tell everybody. It's, it's a very unjust way of also ruling us because, for instance, I, I live in New York for, for a couple of years while I was doing last, landscape architecture at City College. And it was really amazing and stupid at the same time that while I was living in New York, I was able to be the same person that I'm talking to you right now, the same guy. I could vote for the president and all the important uh, votes that any other uh, American citizens do in the States. But I take a three and a half trip back to Puerto Rico and all those voting rights disappear because people in Puerto Rico can't vote for the president. So, you know, simple stuff like that and even more complex stuff that I'm not going to explain here, yeah, you know, in a way can uh, give you like a sense of how colony works in here. There was a big fight in Puerto Rico over a military base that was taking like 80% of the island of Vieques and this was not an empty island. I mean, about, around 10 of 10 to 15,000 people living there, suffering the constant bombardment and toxic and all that, dying of cancer. And the pleneros from Vieques and the fishermen sang this song to the military. He says, 
Tira, tira la tarraya, tira, tira la tarraya, tira, tira el alpón, pum, pero ten cuidado con el grito del cañón, pero ten cuidado con el ruido del cañón, pum. The, uh, the verse basically says, throw the netting. Remember, this is a song by, by fishermen. You can keep, keep throwing the netting, keep, keep throwing the netting, and keep throwing the harpoon. But be wary because the, the cannon sound is coming. So, you know, that's basically the competition between the, the tools that uh, fishermen have to fight against the power of the U.S. military forces. It has indeed been an extremely traumatic past three years in Puerto Rico. But one thing we have learned is that music can not only be a powerful tool in the fight for justice, it is also essential for healing and hope for the future. Here is Paracumbe's Nelly Lebron about one such optimistic song, Sueño, Sueño. Sueño, sueño does not necessarily speak about dreams that we want to, let's say, fulfill. But basically, going to sleep. <laughs> It refers to what happens early in the morning. Dawn. In dawn, where you hear the, the, the little um, birdies thing. And, um, well, uh, people are waking up, right? The, the townsfolk are waking up. Well, if you want to be, to give it like a double meaning, it might pertain to finally Puerto Ricans waking up of this dreadful dream we've been living for the past 120 years of colonialism. And hopefully all these things that we've been learning by being resilient, I think that we know more what resilience is than any other country in the world. We've been under attack of nature and bad governments and so many negative things since 2017 before but 2017 made us more aware and here we are you know one nation um, with a very distinct Latin American identity um, very proud of who we are and we've discovered that we can do anything we propose ourselves to do This is Paracumbe with Sueño Sueño, dreaming about a better future for Puerto Rico.
funding for Afropop Worldwide comes from the National Endowment for the Arts, which believes a great nation deserves great art, and from PRX affiliate stations around the U.S. And thank you for supporting your station. Thanks to Nelly LeBlanc, Emmanuel Dufresne, Gary Nunez, and Hector Tito Matos for their help with this program. Visit afropop.org for more on Bomba and Plena. You can also find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at AfropopWW. My Afropop partner is Sean Barlow. Sean produces our program for World Music Productions. Research and production for this program by Dan Rosenberg. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast now. And join us next week for another edition of Afropop Worldwide. Our chief audio engineer is Michael Jones. This program was mixed at Studio 44 in Brooklyn by Zubin Hensler and recorded at the syncopated layer studio by GC. Banning Air and CC Smith edit our website, afropop.org. Our director of new media is Mukwai Wabi Siyolwe, and I'm Georges Collinet.